today on this Palm Sunday. It's a day of celebration. And I, I want you to turn with me to a passage of Scripture that's very appropriate for this day. It's Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read the triumphal entry of Jesus in Scripture. But today we're not going to stop where normally we stop in that story, but we're going to read a few verses on, on down from that, and we're going to continue because there's a powerful truth that we need to see and understand today. And so I want you to look with me at verse 1. Chapter 21 of Matthew. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, now, Bethphage, literally, the name means house of figs. And it was a suburb of Jerusalem. It was on the southeast slope, and it was less than a mile east of Jerusalem. At the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied, and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately He will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Verse 6, So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitude who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna is a transliteration of the Greek word. And it's an expression that means to save us. So they were crying out, Save us! Save us! And by this time, it had become just an expression of the acclamation of praise. So they were shouting Hosanna as a praise to Jesus. Acknowledging that He was the Messiah. Verse 10, And when He had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. It's interesting, the word moved there is the same word used for an earthquake. So Jesus' entry was shaking the the city. It was moving the entire city. Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And this is the point that usually we stop in the study of Palm Sunday. But I want you to look at the very next verse because the next few verses are very powerful and important. Verse 12, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money, money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? And then verse 17, Then He left them and went out of the city to Bethany and He lodged there. Now notice verse 12, immediately as Jesus comes into the city, He goes to the temple. And it's a picture of something that had taken place three years before. Because shortly after Jesus' first miracle in Cana, we see that He enters into the temple with a whip 
And he begins to drive out the money changers. And he causes a great commotion. And so I want you to think about that. I want you to just imagine with me today being in the temple when Jesus came in. It would have been very crowded. The people would have been gathering. They would have come because of the diaspora. The Jews that had been scattered throughout the world would have been coming to Jerusalem to worship. They would be entering into the temple and they would be looking for sacrifices and the the sellers of the animals would have been there and the money changers and you would have smelled the, the animals and heard the animals making noises and you would have seen and heard the money changers and heard the, the money in the, in the till as the, as the transactions were, were taking place. And, and then all of a sudden, there would have been over in the, the corner of the temple, you would have heard a commotion and, and it would have gotten your attention and you would have looked over there and there would have been Jesus and He would be coming in and, and with His whip driving out the people and, and telling them, my house shall be called a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And, and, and turning over the tables, and there would have been a, a commotion of the animals stirring all around. And they, they would have sensed the commotion and what was going on. And, and everyone there would have thought, what is taking place? And, and they would have been scurrying, many of them, to get out of the temple. Now think about that, because it's three years later. And some of those same people, most likely, were in the temple again. And this time, they hear another commotion. They look and see, and it's similar to what happened three years ago. And they're probably thinking, oh no, it's that guy. He's here again. He's come with his whip. He's come. He's turning over the tables. And what I want us to see is something very powerful. Because when Jesus came the first time, He came with a purpose. And now, He comes again, but what is most tragic about this event is, this is the last time He will ever come into the temple in this way. And the people didn't know it. And as we study this passage, you'll understand the point that I'm trying to make there. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, prophesies of this time. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem! Behold, your King is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. Matthew makes that clear. In, 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 in verse 5, he, he, he quotes the Scripture. And, and, and so we know that it was a time of celebration. The people in Jerusalem, this time, they knew who Jesus was. He was renowned. Everyone was talking about Him. They had experienced the miracles. They had seen the signs and the wonders. The healings. The people being delivered and set free from, from demonic bondage. They had seen those that were dead raised. And they, they had encountered the, the stories and many of them had encountered these miracles themselves. And so they understood and they believed Jesus was the Messiah. And, and as they were shouting, Hosanna! They were making it clear because the passage that, that comes out of is in the Psalms. And it's Psalm 118, verse 25. And that is a messianic psalm. And so they were shouting Hosanna and they were acknowledging their belief that Jesus was the promised Messiah. That He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there was commotion in the city. There was excitement. They were taking their coats and laying them down. Saying they acknowledged Him as, as the King and that they desired His rule over their lives. And they were waving the palm branches and the, the palms represented national Israel. And they were waving them in celebration for Israel that their Messiah, their King had come. And so it was a great time of celebration. But I want you to notice what was in the heart of the religionist. 
the leaders of the people. In verse 15 it says, but when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that He did, and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, they were indignant. They were upset. They were mad. They, were, they didn't want to lose their power and their control over the people. They were pushing Jesus away. They didn't want Him there. They didn't want His rule. They didn't want Him in their lives or His rule in the kingdom. So they were upset. They were mad. They were indignant. And I want us to see the contrast there. Because the heart of the people was to welcome Him. But yet the religious were saying, no, we don't want to have anything to do with you. And those two things take place today. We can either open our hearts to Him and welcome Him in. Or we can push Him away and say, I don't want to have anything to do with you, Jesus. In this passage, there are several things that are important. In verse 17, it says, Then He left them and went out of the city to Bethany, and He lodged there. Most Bible scholars believe that Jesus went to Bethany. That's where the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was. That He was staying with them. Why? Because they weren't rejecting Him. They loved Him. They understood He was the Messiah. They wanted Him to be King. They welcomed Him. He had been rejected in the town. Rejected by the religious leaders. But there's several things I want us to see in this passage. First of all, this was going to be the last time that Jesus would come in this way. And we're going to come back to that at the end. But it's important for us to understand that Jesus wasn't upset in just throwing a, temp, a temper tantrum. The heart of God was grieved because the people were rejecting Him. I believe around the world today that in the midst of this virus and, and the, the things that are taking place, the number of deaths and the, the overwhelming uh, power of this virus in many of our cities just bringing devastation, there, there are those that are once again opening their hearts to God. They're saying, Jesus, we need You during this time. I believe that, that the Lord is using this during this time for people to realize there is a God that still loves them. A God that still cares about them. A God that wants to minister to them His love and His life during this time. But there are also those that are hardening their hearts. There are those that are just cursing this virus and cursing this time. And, and, and they, they're just doing things to distract themselves by, by just going and and getting drunk and trying to pretend it's not happening. I saw an article this week that said alcohol sales were up 50%. And church, I want to tell you right now, alcohol or drugs or something to take you into an escape from what's going on isn't the answer. The answer is Jesus. The answer is opening up your life and welcoming Him. What I want us to see in this passage is also the sale of the animals in the temple courtyard. It needs to be understood. First of all, it was ordained by God that the animals brought for sacrifice were to be without blemish. They were to be spotless, without blemish. Why? Because they were pointing to the ultimate sacrifice of God's dear Son. The sinlessness, the fact that there needed to be for mankind, for mankind's redemption to make Him right in relationship with God the Father, there had to be a sinless sacrifice. And that leaves every one of us out. But there's something else there. It was also teaching another lesson. That the sacrifice was to be of their possession. 
And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but at this time, there was an agricultural economy. Just about everyone was involved in agriculture and raising uh, animals, farm animals or crops of some kind. Something like that. So it would have been natural for them to take their own sacrifice from their own home, from their own flock, to come to the temple. But by this time, the nation of Israel had gotten away from that. And that's an important point, and I want you to, to understand that with me. I don't know if you have friends that have raised farm animals, but I have several friends that have had cattle or other uh, farm animals. And one thing I've found out that it's important that you don't give the animals names. Because as soon as you let your kids name the, the new little lamb or the new little goat or the new little calf, it becomes part of the family. And when it's time to, to take that animal to slaughter, you're going to break the heart of the kid. And I believe that the Lord is teaching every family a lesson in this. I want you to imagine being a young child and here's this new lamb that's born into your flock. And, and as kids, they come and they, they, they want to play with them. I know my grandkids recently, they, they had uh, puppies and, and they just love those puppies and would cuddle them and, and play with them all day long and they wanted to give them names. And it was really difficult when, when they started selling all the puppies. Well, that's what I want us to see today. Because imagine as a child, you, you grow up and every year you, you see the, the sacrifices going, going in that little lamb that was born in your flock that you played with. Now it's part of the family. And there's a message there from God. He wanted the people to understand that the, that the sacrifice was costly. That the sacrifice that God was ultimately going to, to give one day through His precious Son, that it was going to cost God something. The life of His only begotten Son. And so church, as they were coming into the sacrifice, into the temple, they were to understand, but all that had changed by this time for the most part. Now, they had herded the sacrifices in. They had herded the sacrifices in and they weren't worried about them being without spot and without blemish. Why? Because they were just making a transaction. They were, it was almost like used car salesmen. They weren't out there saying it, but it was like, here, I got a deal for you right here. Check this one out. It's really simple. It's really convenient. You don't have to mess with bringing your own sacrifice from your home into the temple. We've got them right here. Just for a, a good deal, just for a few coins, you can have this sacrifice. That's the atmosphere that it had become. And that's the atmosphere that grieved the heart of God. Because no longer were they bringing something that was precious and a part of the family. No longer were they bringing something that pointed to the sinlessness of our Savior and Lord. But it was just a ritual. It was just a the motions that they were going through, just a business transaction. And church, we need to understand it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. There wouldn't have been passion in acquiring the little lamb that there would be if it was from their own home. It would have been simple for them. A few coins. And it would have been a transaction. In other words, it would have been convenient for them. In church, there are pastors today that do the same thing. They want to become part of the church to be something that's real just convenient. To become a Christian, it's convenient and it's not going to really change your life that much you can still do the same things you can still go to the same places you can still watch all the same things you don't really have to change and they just want to make it more like a club or they just want to make it convenient in church i want to tell you that becoming a christian is is something that is 
is, is powerful in your life. It's something that you make a commitment to do. It's something that just isn't convenient all the time. It is costly. It takes effort. It takes desire. It takes discipleship to live the life and to walk the walk and to welcome Jesus to come in and to rout out the enemy from your life. And I want you to know, church, that when Jesus comes in, He will rout out the enemy. He will rout out the, that convenience. And He will come in and empower you and equip you and enable you to live the life and to walk the walk. And so that when people see your life, you aren't the same as the world. You don't watch the same TV shows or the same movies. You don't go to the liquor stores. You don't go to the pot stores. You don't get high on drugs. You don't go out and party because you have entered in to the greatest universal party that the world has ever known. It's coming into Jesus and knowing He is your Savior and your Lord. Your heart is cleansed. Your life is transformed. You're redeemed. You're, you're in right standing with the true and the living God. Church, there's nothing that compares to that. And Jesus isn't wanting our churches to just be convenient. He's not wanting our churches never to, to, to say anything that's going to offend anybody. Because the Gospel will offend you. The Gospel will show you where you're not right with God. It will show you the areas that need to be cleaned, that need to be transformed. The Gospel is powerful. And it, and it brings that revelation and that understanding to our lives. And it doesn't matter. When the, when the pastor's preaching the Gospel message, when he's preaching the Word of God, preaching the truth of God, church, from time to time, we're going to get our toes stepped on. From time to time, we're going to be offended. And that's when we say, oh Lord, forgive me. Lord, I see that area. Lord, I open that area up to You and I welcome You to come and transform my life because I want to be all that You want me to be. Can you say amen to that, church? That's the heart of God for us. So Jesus came to clean out the temple. And there was something else too. The coin changers. Because the coin changers, church, the coin changers weren't just there taking the transactional money for the purchase of the animal. The coin changers were also exchanging currency. And most of us understand that if we've traveled out of the United States, even through Canada. That uh, when you're traveling, some places will take the U.S. dollar, but most of the time they would rather have the Canadian currency. Unless you're out in the middle of, of uh, <laughs> the Alaska Highway and you come upon a little place and you don't have, have any Canadian currency, you know what can happen? This has happened. It happened to me. You may come upon somebody that they smile and say, that's okay, we'll take U.S. dollars. But the thing they don't want to tell you is that the U.S. dollar happens to be worth $1.20 in Canadian. So the exchange rate, they'll, they'll take the American dollar, but they won't give you a fair exchange rate. And I'm not trying to say anything against Canada. I love Canada. My daughter-in-law is from Canada. She's probably watching. So, Jasper, I love you. I love your, your nation. But what I'm, I'm just illustrating is when we, when we travel to Australia or, or Mexico, even, wherever we go, there's a different currency, church. And, and we have to exchange that currency and we're at the, the mercy of the ex person doing the exchange. And that's what was taking place in the temple. So they were stealing from the people. That's why Jesus calls them thieves. He calls them thieves. And then Jesus tells us exactly who the real thief is. 
In John 10, 10, he says, The thief comes not before to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So he tells us in that passage that the thief is the devil. And you may be at home right now, wherever you are, in the car, but right now there are areas in your life where the devil is trying to steal from you. And it can be an area that isn't even a financial area. But I guarantee you, the devil wants to steal from you because he is a thief. And that's what was taking place here. And so we, we look at these things and we need to apply them in our lives today. And we need to understand that just as Jesus came in at that time to the temple, He had done this first right after He did His first miracle in the land of Canaan. So he wasn't well known then, like he is now. But he's, the first time he came in, I want you to get this, he, the first time that, that Jesus comes in, he's coming in, and it's a season of time for the people to get their act right. He was coming in trying to shake them up, to stir them up, that they would get things right, where, where that they would, they would have the, the precious lamb without spot and without blemish, that they would, if they could, bring one from their own home, part of the family, to understand the heart of God in giving that sacrifice. That they would understand that it wasn't about their convenience. That they would understand what God was doing for them. And that they could have these things removed from the temple. You know, the Bible's very clear in the New Testament. It calls our bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit. And church, I want to ask you today, is there something you're allowing in your body in this temple that you need to give to Jesus? That He, he needs to come in and He needs to drive it out. The first time He came, He came to call them to act. To call them to get things right. But the second time, church, notice, the second time when He comes, He comes and it's a time of accountability. Because this is the last time He will ever give them this opportunity. He comes in and, and there are those that are acknowledging Him to be the Messiah the Son of the living God that was going to die for us just shortly in a few days from this time. And I want to ask you to place yourself in, in, in what we're talking about here. Has Jesus come? Has He challenged you? Has He, has he said, you need to get your act right? Has He come and tried to drive the things out and, and pointed out that these things in your life are not right? And I want to ask you, did you say yes, Lord? Did you get those things right? Did you give your life to Him? Did you give those things to Him? Or did you kind of you know, respond like the leadership and say, not now, Jesus, not now. We, we don't want you. There will come a time of accountability. A time when Jesus no longer comes saying, I want to rule your life. But there will come a day when He comes and He says, the time's up. It's time for accountability. In church, this is, this is not a fun thing to think about. It's not a fun message to necessarily preach but church the results are so awesome i love the fact church that there was great tremendous celebration that there were those that were laying their the waving the palm branches and laying them down before their king taking their coats off and laying them down i love the fact that that he had, was fulfilling the prophecy he was declaring he was the christ the Messiah, the Lamb of God. I love the celebration, but what breaks my heart are those that rejected Him 
And He reminded them again. He came into the temple. He wants to come into the temple of your life. He wants to, to route out the things that are just maybe convenient. You say, well, well, Pastor Milt, that's just the way things are in this world. You have to, have to do things this way because that's the way of the world. No, you don't. And the way of the world will lead to destruction. What you need to do, you need to let Jesus give you direction and guidance and wisdom and do things the way God calls us to do them and watch Him bless your life. And that's my heart today, church. That you would be blessed beyond measure. That the Lord would just pour out His Holy Spirit upon you right now. That He would wrap His loving arms around you. There may be something in your life right now that the Lord's pointing at. He, he's pointing this out and He's saying you've given into this. It's, it's just been convenient. Or you've given into this and it's, it's, it's the way of the world. Or you've given into this and, and the enemy has come in and now he's robbing from your life. The enemy is just like the salesman there saying, here, I'm going to make it easy for you. I'm going to make it so simple. And you'll just exchange this and, and take this instead of what God's got for you. Instead of what God's got planned for you. And when we do that, church, you want to know what happens? The devil has established a foothold and he begins to siphon off our life. He begins to rob from us. He begins to be that thief and just steal from us and what God has planned for us. So I want to challenge you today. I want to challenge you today to join me and say, Lord, I welcome you into this temple. I want you to come and you to point out anything that isn't right, anything that you don't want in my life, and for you to begin to drive it out of my life. Because that's what He wants. And notice, I love this. Look, look at the Scripture again with me. At verse 12, Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of all who sold doves. Notice the word all. Jesus doesn't want any part of your life to be siphoned off by the thief. He wants to give you total and complete freedom. Verse 13, And He said to them, is it, is it, it is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. But look at verse 14. I love verse 14. Then the blind and the lame came to Him in the temple, and He healed them. And He healed them. He doesn't just come into your life and drive out the things that shouldn't be in your life, but then He brings His presence that brings healing to your life. I don't know how many times through the years there have been people that have, have been in some kind of addiction in their life, and, and the addiction in their life had begun to just rob from them take the life right out of them. And then it had been years and, and they give their life to Jesus, but then they think about all the, the things that they've done to destroy this temple. And I have seen the love of God manifested just like in our passage today. After He drives all that junk out of the temple, He comes with healing and anointing His presence and power and brings restoration. God's greater than all those years that you smoked cigarettes. He's greater than all those years you smoked dope and took drugs and you drank and, until your liver is, is, is bad and, and it's just robbing the life out of you. The God that we serve loves you so much, church. He comes and doesn't only free you from that stuff, but He brings His healing and anointing. And I don't know who you are today, but this message is for you. you you've done things that have destroyed your life. And you're, you're thinking, why did I do that? And you were, you were caught up in the things of the world. And you, th you think, I've just wasted so many years. And my life is just shriveled up and so much of life has been robbed from me. 
And I want you to know today that Jesus is your healer. And as you welcome Him in to drive out all the things that shouldn't be in your life, He's going to bring restoration and healing in your life today. Maybe it's something emotional that you went through. Something tragic that you went through as a, as a young child or a teenager. Something took place in your life and you don't think you could ever be clean. You don't think you could ever have restoration. And church, I want you to know the same Jesus that has all power and authority that will come into the temple when you welcome Him in and drive out all the strongholds of the, of the enemy. Drive out the things that are robbing from your life. That same Jesus has all power over your body, over your emotions, over your wounds, over the, the things that you've gone through that have just caused you bitterness or resentment. And He wants to come and He wants to heal those things in your life today. Church, I don't know who you are, but I know that there are those listening today and God caused you to listen. You may be a, a first-time viewer. You may be right here in Wasilla and you just came across the service today. You may be down south. You may be in some other country. You may be in a foreign country today where Christianity is banned and persecuted. And I want you to know it's not an accident that you're watching this. It's God's divine direction and Him intervening in your life. And He wants you to be set free from those things that are robbing your life. He wants to cleanse your temple. And He wants to come in and bring His healing presence. And so church, I want you to pray with me whoever you are today. I want you to just join me in prayer. And I want you to believe when you invite Jesus to come in, He's going to begin to break off those things that are holes in your life. Things maybe just out of your convenience and the, the world does it this way and so you want to do it that way. Things where the enemy's robbing from you. You open the door and He came right in. And those things are robbing from your life. God wants to bring healing today. And He wants to bring freedom to your life. I want you to bow your head with me. And I just want you to close your eyes and focus on Him. And I want you to pray with me today. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your precious Word. And Lord, I am so thankful today Lord, that as we read this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 21, Lord, that it doesn't stop with just the triumphal entry. But Lord, you went, we went immediately to the temple and You began to drive out the things that weren't right in that temple. And so Lord, I just ask right now that every heart that's listening would be open to You. Lord, Lord, it doesn't matter. Some of us may have been Christians for 20, 30, 40, 50 years and there's still things in our lives that we haven't surrendered to You and allowed You to drive those things out of our lives. So Lord, right now, I pray that every heart would be open to You. And we'd say, Lord, if, even if there are things that I may not recognize, even if there's area of my, areas of my life, Lord, that I don't realize that I opened the door and allowed the thief to come in and that he's been robbing in my life for years. Lord, I give it all to You. Jesus, come in and drive out everything that isn't of God. Everything, Lord. Lord, it may be just desires of the flesh. Or it could be the thief himself that's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Lord, we just surrender right now to You. And we ask You, Lord, just to come and to manifest Your presence, Your cleansing power, and Your healing right now. Lord, those specifically that have been struggling for years with wounds of the heart, 
And Lord, those who were, were bound by things that just, just sucked the life out of them for years, and now their body is, is withered, and, and, and Lord, it's, it's not functioning correctly. Right now, in Jesus' name, I ask, Lord, that You enter that car, that, that 18-wheeler, Lord, that truck, Lord, that home, that apartment, Lord, wherever they are right now, Lord, I just invite Your presence to come and not only drive out everything of the enemy, but bring Your healing presence. Lord, they need Your healing right now. Lord, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing, Lord. Whatever they need right now, Lord, we welcome You to come. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, we just surrender all to You. Lord, break those things out of our lives. Cleanse those things from us. And Lord, bring Your miraculous healing in every area that we need it. And Lord, we just ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Church, if you join me in that today, then I I want you to join me now. I want you to take the the palm branches that we have naturally, and I want you to raise them to the Lord, and I want you to imagine that you're there on that triumphal entry day. When Jesus came, and so many were gathered and acknowledging Him to be the Messiah, the promised Messiah, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, your Savior, the one that was going to die for your sins, that you can have a relationship with the Father. And He did that. And right now, if you invited Him into your life, you're part of His family. And He cleansed you. And now I want you just to praise Him with all your strength, with all your might, with all that you are on this day. On this day, He has made a triumphal entry into your life. It may be for the first time, or it just may be a new time today that that Jesus is just coming in and doing a new work. But let's praise Him, church. And let's give Him the glory and honor that He's due today.
this deep light Light in the darkness That is who you are Even when Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Even when, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You're the way, we miracle work, promise keep. Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. That is who you are. That is who you are. That is.
face the day And your presence All I feel I washed away Washed away thank you for today that we can gather together still you know in an almost miraculous way God we thank you for the technology that allows us to do this God we thank you most of all for your spirit that can connect us over any distance Lord we just thank you for who you are Lord that we can come together and know you more and we pray that that would be our hearts in a continual way that we would keep coming together to know you more, that we keep coming together to learn about you, to grow, and to be challenged to know you more, God. But I pray that we take all that we learned today and apply it to our lives to truly give you what is, uh, Lord, what you desire from our hearts, to truly give you what you want, Lord, as we, we bless your name, as we, as we come together and just worship you, Lord, through the, this entire service, Lord, we put you first. We ask that you would just bless this body, keep them healthy, keep them strong. Lord, like Pastor was saying earlier, we pray as a group, as a body, that no one in our body would come down with this sickness, that we would be just a, a healthy body, Lord. Lord, I pray that even in this time that your kingdom would advance through us, Lord, that we'd have opportunities to speak to one another. Lord, that you would use us for your glory, that you would receive glory from all this, as we know that you are not surprised by any of it. We thank you once again, and we ask that you would be with us, and we surrender to you who we are. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. What was going on? Good.